Frizzling friars, it's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Can you just excuse me for a second? Just, just hold the line, please, please, please hold the line, please hold the line for a second. <coughs> Sorry about that, I did give myself a little bit of a shake there. It wasn't the shake and vac, it was uh, the shake of the marvellous air fryer. And as we go into the second winter of discontent in the UK, maybe a consideration to get yourself an air fryer. Now I'm frying myself some wonderful sort of chip potatoes, ready for my breakfast burrito. Um, I, uh, I refer the honourable, I refer the honourable gentleman to the answer I gave some moments ago, i.e. last week, uh, where we talked about me being a probe inside a breakfast burrito, one of my favourite items of food ever, yes ever. But you need to get yourself an air fryer because it's seriously like a quarter of the energy costs of an oven and you can do almost anything. Now, other than baked potatoes, which I, as you know, I like to uh, yeah, put them in the... God, I'm out of breath with all that shaking. And it was my right wrist, which is a strong wrist, you know. So I, I don't know why I'm so out of breath from vigorous shaking of, uh, of the air fryer. I, I, I don't know. But a quarter of the... Quarter of the uh, probably quarter of the cost, quarter of the energy amount... But the uh, baked potatoes just don't, uh, they don't work, they don't crisp up. So you still have to do the microwave and then uh, in the oven for the baked potatoes. But everything else, you like yourself some chip potatoes, you like yourself some fried chicken. If you like yourself some fried chicken, then uh, yeah, the air fryer is just for you. And also uh, I, I discovered reheating the samosa. So don't you just love those Indian samosas? I could live on a samosa. So my two staple uh, amounts of my diet, uh, breakfast burrito and the samosa. One of my, well, they're two of my absolute favorites. And uh, the trouble is the next day, the, the samosa is a little soggy. A little soggy, soggy, soggy. So you don't want it soggy. 
So you put it in the air fryer for about 10 minutes, crisps up to crisp to an inch of its life, and it's absolutely marvelous again, absolutely marvelous again. So the air fryer is your friend. During energy crisis, I mean, I can make almost anything. You marinate some chicken in there, then put it in there, beautiful. I put a piece of roast beef in there as well, like half an hour, sort of medium rare. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a wondrous thing. It's a wondrous, uh, a wondrous thing. It doesn't get hot. Very rarely sets the smoke alarm off, and I have that problem as well. So it rarely sets the uh, smoke alarm off either. So yeah, wow. It's, it's a thing that you need in your kitchen. Uh, it, it'll, uh, it'll revolutionize your kitchen and uh, your kitchen habits as well. That and the Instant Pot. I need to be make some money here. Yeah, we got a two-one deal here, and you can get the Instant Pot, and you can get yourself an air fryer. Oh my God, an air fryer and Instant Pot together. Oh, wow. Just listen to the sound. Oh yeah, baby. Oh. There we go. Now, one more steak. Okay, hold on. I'm almost ready. Almost Okay, so <laughs> the potato's almost ready. It's a good workout though. I did that with my left wrist and I feel that doing the shaking with the left wrist is strengthening the left wrist, which may be a little bit weak. So it's, it's perfect, isn't it, darling? It's perfect. <sighs> anyway, so here we are again, as happy as can be, all good friends and jolly good company for Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese 218. And uh, it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday sermon. People often ask, Chappy, you live in Colorado. Why, why don't you do the 14er? Why don't you do the, uh, the, the, the 14er? You know, what, what's a 14er? So, 14er, uh, very simply put, uh, high endurance hiking. Yeah, it's high endurance uh, hiking. I don't know if everybody would agree with that. Uh, but in the yeah, so, so the fourteener in the in the mountaineering parlance, and don't you just love that word? That, that should be worth a number of points on Scrabble, shouldn't it? Parlance. So the mountaineering parlance of the West United States. A fourteener is a mountain peak with the elevation of at least fourteen thousand feet. So the, there's fifty three fourteeners in the U.S. state of Colorado with at least three hundred feet, uh, ninety one thousand. Uh, 0.44 meters of topographic prominence. God, I, I mean, that's what I need carved onto my uh, my gravestone, don't I? He's a wonderful chap. Very kind, very witty, witty repartee. A cheeky chappy. But he had such topographic prominence. Yes, please. Um, so... The summit of a mountain or hill may be measured in three principal ways. The topographic elevation of the summit measures the height of the summit above a geodetic sea levels. The topographic prominence of a summit is the measure of how high the summit rises above its surroundings. And the topographic isolation of a summit measures how far the summit lies between the nearest points of equal elevation. So over 14,000 feet, 58 of them. I, I could be quite busy doing that. The highest is Mount Ebert. But you have Mount Massive. Now, this is the reason. It's nothing to do with fitness or laziness 
or my fear of not keeping my Cornish pasty hot enough or the burrito hot enough as I uh, as I endeavour climb uh, to these high elevations. That's not it at all. My fear is that one of these mountains, one of the James Bond villains, preferably Ernst Avro Blofeld, has an underground mountain lair. And I think it's in, in the bottom of a, a volcano, underneath that little volcanic lake that they have. I, I do believe one of the Bond villains has an evil lair. And that is my fear. I don't want to go near the evil lair because I could end up being eaten by piranhas or hungry great white sharks or um, slightly sort of nervous, agitated eels. That, that's always a problem as well. So that's why I don't do the 14er because one of the Bond villains has an underground lair somewhere up there, somewhere, somewhere. There's some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today here on your highly esteemed Colcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. So, here we go. Here we go, people. A little recap from last time, though. Um, I, my question is, not only why don't I do the 14 which I just answered for you, but can I do the bluegrass, uh, not the bluegrass barbecue, but the barbecue and bluegrass event? It's a, it's a 5K event, but can I, can I get the barbecue and the bluegrass music without doing the 5K? We talked about that. Also, uneven golf tans as well. I feel that I, um, I my, my arms, my, my face, very, very bronzed, legs bronzed, although very badly bitten, very badly bitten at the moment white nostril hair flaring out of the uh, right hand nostril a barbarossa appearing and it's in the form of a white nostril hair Uh, made me think that I need to do three hour vitamin infusions on a drip forget pill popping I need to do the full fusion and also my love had a dream about her parents crashing into the docks with with their boat I think she's been watching too much below deck and, and Below Deck is where I get most of my, uh, my information from. And uh, there was a gentleman who wanted, uh, he was in the Mediterranean. Uh, there were lots of girls in bikinis and he chose to get up at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, yeah, three o'clock in the morning to watch an NFL uh, Pittsburgh Steelers game. Yes, that's what he tried. He decided to do it. Yeah, bikini clad, yeah. It may be slightly insane, but then I remember that I get up at four o'clock in the summer to watch and listen to the cricket every morning. Four o'clock every morning to watch and listen to the cricket. Uh, Yeah, and also I I used to go to the pub at six o'clock. For Doe's Pub in Chicago, I used to go there to watch Tottenham Hotspur play at six o'clock in the morning. But there's a Guinness and full English breakfast waiting. Just weigh it up. Yeah, three in the morning, NFL, bikini clad, uh, getting up at, anyway, so, yeah, it's it's all very, very confusing, isn't it? And you can get anything these days, can't you? But these custom golf head covers are very scary. You can have a dog head cover looking uh, like your own dog. And it's not just uh, like the one that Roy McIlroy has, is it like a St. Bernard or something like that? No, 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 no. This is a lifelike one. And then you can get a lifelike uh, lifelike adaptation uh, doll of your dog uh, that looks identical. It's amazing. I think it's like $500 for this as well. I think I might be $500 for just the head cover. 
Also, we're nothing but educators here on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. How was the letter W formed? And I only found it out this last night, 45 years, and I only found out last night how the letter W was formed. Also, the bearded Texan yogi, the Uber driver, the yogi Uber driver, but also the yogi um, who informed me on where we should be looking in terms of the energy crisis moving forward. And the Uber driver who I had to wake up, I think it was last week or something, to tap on the window, he was asleep. Uh, also, the infamous problem here for any any man, probably any British man, should you eat the curry before you go and see your girlfriend? Uh, yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, there should be an unwritten rule that you shouldn't be able to see your girlfriend if you have had to eat a curry or if you had a curry in the last couple of hours. Because the half life of a curry when you eat it is probably a couple of hours. It's like for a few hours, you think, I'm fine. And then repeat, uh, curry, repeat, repeat, curry, repeat, curry. I did my bit for the environment the other day. Can you just live on eggs, apple cider vinegar, the wonders of the apple cider vinegar, uh, how I lost my black and red underwear, um, and also um, most of us are working remote. Is it okay to have imaginary friends? Tales of the old Uber driver. Tales of the old Uber driver. So, yes, two instances in the last couple of weeks. The first, though, uh, you know, and you can you can uh, equate your Uber drivers to sleepy dwarfs. Yes, sleepy dwarfs. We got a sleepy dwarf Uber driver. I think I was leaving six o'clock in the morning. The guy appeared. He'd probably been waiting for literally two minutes, and uh, went up to the car. He was asleep. Knocked on the car window. Nothing. And then a more rigorous knock. A vigorous knock. Rigorous or vigorous. Yeah, what's the difference between vigorous and rigorous? Rigorous is more... It's like me shaking the uh, the air fryer a few minutes ago. That was sort of rigorously done. Or was it vigorously done? Oh, it's so confusing. Isn't it? The English language is so confusing. Um, I, but I did teach uh, cricket to a Japanese fellow one time. And he said English was very, very hard. And uh, I have to say... Two months of trying to learn Japanese, also very, very hard. But this this fellow was asleep. The Uber driver was asleep, woke up. And then you had the fear that I haven't had probably since 2001, Great America. Uh, and I, I thought it was going to be a roller coaster ride. Because I thought the guy may fall asleep again. And we might get rear-ended. Uh, you know, we're driving along and he might fall asleep again. But this guy was the epitome. Epitome. What could we say? The epitome of dopey. Um, but I, I'm here to tell the tale. I thought I thought last week's podcast could be my last podcast because the chap could fall asleep as we're uh, meandering along on the long journeys home. But could have been the journey's end. The second Uber, though, the second chap. Absolutely fascinating guy. 71 years old. Dick. So it's Dick the bearded Texan yogi, Dick the bearded Texan yogi, yes. So the, he, he took me back this morning, early again, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but, but more of a bushy beard than a bushy tail. Texan, 
Uh, not that easy to understand, but, uh, you know, I listen fairly acutely. And uh, I've been all around the world, as Lisa Stanfield once said. So I can pick apart accents. I know that a lot of people hear that. I have trouble even in America today when I say water. Wawa? No, w- water. Wawa? Water. Anyway, he was, he was pretty un- easy to understand. But this guy was a yogi. He was a sort of fellow that you meet and there's sort of wisdom beyond the years. I mean, what did we talk about? Yes, we talked about subsistence living, living off the land, you know, where you have all your own produce and everything else. It was a sort of little bit growing up. I mean, I didn't help with the gardening, but my father, marvelous gardener. Um, so, you know, we, we lived very, very well. And, and I sometimes thought sometimes you want to get off the grid and the subsistence living is the way forward. And he said that he lived on a ranch just outside of Austin in the uh, 60s and 70s. And they lived off the land, hunted, grew their own vegetables, canned their own vegetables. I thought this is just the way, you know. Talk about the energy crisis, price of fuel, inflation, all these depressing things. But like living off the land is is, is the the epitome of the one finger back at the man, back at inflation, isn't it, really? And he was also like a sort of messiahic figure with a Texan accent, living up in the foothills of Austin is, uh, is, is sort of the, maybe the way forward here. Growing your, own, growing your own corn, shucking your own corn, day and day out. Never, no more frozen or canned corn. You're just shucking that fresh corn, like air after air after air. And uh, this fellow was, uh, was was a sort of inspiration to me. But it was uh, it was almost like a you know how wisdom comes in different forms. You, I didn't expect it. But he said, uh, you know, my you know my boy, nuclear power is the way forward. Yeah, nuclear power is a, is a, is the way forward for us, and I I don't I don't disagree. It's incredibly incredibly safe, but there was a lot of wisdom in that beard, in that wispy beard. And uh, but I hope I run into the chap again. I like delving into the potted history of uh, of the UK, different food, different traditions, just sort of illuminating to you. Uh, all the differences and sort of little eccentricities. This is part of the podcast, the richness of this podcast. I mean, maybe somebody say the pauper, but the pauper aspects of the podcast. But I, I think it's the richness of this podcast. But today, let's talk about London food, eel pie mashups. So first of all, uh, we want to take a closer look. London over time, eel pie and mash shops have become institutions in the capital also compromise several of the oldest and most historic surviving eateries. Like an eel stew, jellied eels, a little bit of vinegar on that. Mmm. The potted history of the pie. So everybody knows I love a good pie. Love a pie. You know, put that with the samosa, put that with the burrito. Obviously, Cornish pasties, like a slight the evolution of the pie there. But the earliest pies in terms of history are thought to have originated in ancient Egypt circa 2500 BC, made from ground oats or wheat wrapping around a honey filling, perhaps a food that sustained them through the building of the pyramids. 
with the Greeks who first developed a recognisable pastry made with flour and water, and then the Romans circa the 2nd century BC who started to play with a range of fillings and create the meat pies that are common today. With the Roman conquest of Britain came in 43 AD that pies made it to the shore. So the Romans gave us the pies. It wasn't the British who gave the pies to the world. It was the Romans who gave the pies. But London street food. So fast forward to Victorian era and pies became popular street food. There were no burgers or hot dogs back then. Lacking the fun supremacists, several hundred so-called piemen would walk the streets. Yes, walk the streets, selling their wares, particularly in the east and southeast of London. They came with a number of different fillings. Meat, fruit, but commonly eels. Eels were particularly common and cheap in London at the time. There was very few f uh, fish that could survive in the heavy polluted Thames and other London rivers, and, and, and even more arrived from Europe to Billingsgate Fish Market, which started on the banks of the Thames, close to the Monument Station. Pie mash shops, so gradually pie mash moved off the streets into premises, giving birth to the ornate Victorian shops, which still see today. So the first shop opened in 1850. It isn't na named not long after that, uh, pie and mash outlets were commonplace. These shops would sell the Cockney classics of jellied eels and usually have stalls outside selling live eels to be cooked at home. Inside there would be marble floors, counters, typical for the time, but unmistakably grand when viewed today. The walls would be covered with paintings and latter photographs with uh, strewn with sawdust to gather up the eel bones that were spat out. Yes, all butcher shops had sawdust back in the day. It was these shops that the offering was tweaked and modernised. Minced beef or lamb and onions also became popular and still affordable. Pie filling with eels, while mashed potatoes quickly gained popularity as accompaniment to bulk out the dish. Eels played a crucial part, though. The water used for stewing them was flavoured with parsley to create the eel liquor, a, a sauce which tends to be a lurid green colour, then served with the pies in place of gravy. The oldest pie shop, mash and eel shop, is M. Manns. It opened on Tower Bridge in 1891. Founded by Michelle Manns, whose family moved to London from southern Italy, began selling pies after dabbling less successfully in ice cream and ice cream makers. For Manns, the Tower Bridge site was the first of a mini pie empire. He opened a second shop nearby Suffolk Bridge in 1908, followed by two more in popular in Peckham in 1927. They were destroyed or closed during the war. His Peckham outlet was the third on Sutton High Street to remain open even today. So eels, ladies and gentlemen, eels. Motored all the pie mash shops east or southeast London and had that dish as particularly strong connection with East London. Eels of the East. The reason is simply this. It started out as a cheap food and the East is where the poorer working classes lived. A prevailing westerly wind was a key factor. This meant that industrial pollution was blown that way, making for smellier, and altogether less pleasant living conditions. It doesn't matter. Give me the eel, give me the stewed eels, give me the mash, give me the pie. Let's educate you now. We'd love to educate you in etiquette, obviously, here in the show. Classy show. Although we talk about toilets and bums and willies quite a lot. Yes, we do. Um, but the origin of the letter W, discovered last night... During a long, I mean, this is what I do. I, I watch reality TV show with my love, and we talk about the formation of letters in Latin. I know, I tell you, on a, to what brains of brains of Britain, brains of the U.S. combined together 
It's, uh, it's like the spark that sets off this whole intelligentsia. <laughs> the splitting of the intelligent atoms together. The Britain and American talking about the formation of letters. Yeah, that's what we do on a Saturday night. So the W sounds were represented by the Latin letter V at the time, not yet distinct from the letter U. But if you put, get your fingers together, two U's, form two U's, join them together, and that's your W. The AILs have been drilling into my brain again. These are the ones that subliminally suggest different products. Like, would I have brought these bright fluorescent socks if the AILs hadn't suggested it to me the other day? As I sit to you, just in a fresh pair of Calvin Klein's, a linen shirt, and some bright socks. And I'm not joking, that is exactly what I'm wearing as I'm broadcasting this nonsense-laden honeycart of a show. <laughs> oh, dear. But anyway, they were suggesting to me that I need to find a fitness trainer. I mean, what am I doing? I'm like 40 minutes, four times a week. And then I'm walking about five or six miles a day with the dogs. I mean, what else can you, what else can I be doing here? But uh, the, thumb, the thumbnail or thumbtack app was saying, find a fitness trainer who gets you. And it made me think, well, what sort of fitness trainer would get me? Diet heavy on pie, samosas and breakfast burritos. How can I incorporate that into my fitness regime? Hmm. As I suck, a, suck the proverbial tooth out. I, I don't think I can find a fitness trainer who knows that I like to be... Oh, why do you get a standing desk, chappy? No, can I get a, just a futon and lay on that whilst I work? Is that allowed? Is that, is that okay? Is that something I can do? Now, that would be the fitness... That would be the fitness fanatic, the fitness trainer who would, uh, would get me. But on, on, on another topic here... Um, yeah, this this was in. The, hold on a second. I need to find it. I need to find it. Excuse me. Okay, okay, let me just, uh, let me try to find here, uh, what have we got here, um, yeah, I don't know, yeah, that's not it, is that it? Yeah, excuse me a second, alright, alright, just hold on, let's turn this down, yeah, so that was, that was a gentleman, in the gym yesterday, or in the week, sorry. That's the noise this fellow was making. This is the noise that fellow was making. He was grunting, he was groaning. And I think must must have been his girlfriend. It kind of been a random, asked if he's okay. And he said, stop worrying about me, woman. Worries me that this certain sort of Neanderthal spirit, uh, the, the Neanderthal spirit is uh, is running through the vein of uh, gyms everywhere here. I don't, I don't know if I like that very much. Don't know. Don't know if I like that. And something else as well. Tremendous waste of you know electricity and energy with the doors being opened by a barbell. There's a barbell on the floor 
Propping open the door, but it's too hot in the kitchen, too hot in the gym. And uh, they just leave this open. Let all the all the air, cool air conditioning is going out the window, and uh, what a waste. I mean, the bearded Texan yogi would not like this. He would not like this. I mean, he would think we should sort of institute a small nuclear sort of reactor uh, on the premises. Uh, do, do, I mean, is it possible to do that? Could you do like a like a pint-sized nuclear reactor on premises to uh, to heat a whole sort of uh, the Champy Towers complex? I mean, g- g- is that possible indeed? So somebody is propping open the, the door, doing my bit for the environment. Somebody left the door open and had lifted a rather heavy uh, barbell. Bow, is it barbell or bow bells? If you're born within the sound of the bow bells in East London, then you're a cockney. You can do the cockney rhyming slang, mate. Yeah, you could do the yeah, uh, fancy Rube Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's bar- barbell is the thing that's heavy and you lift. So this 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 uh, meathead had uh, prompted open the the door of the gym with the barbell. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm wasting all this energy. So I went to lift the barbell to remove it from the door. I mean, this must have been like a hundred, a hundred pounds, maybe even a thousand pounds. So I lifted it and I sprained my arm. So my bit for the environment is now my right arm. Although my wrist is very, very healthy after doing the shake and shaking back or the shake and the, the air fryer shake. But it's, uh, it's maybe a couple of inches longer because the barbell sprained it and I'm stretched out almost like a Tower of London torture item. So it's late August and I'm already uh, still being bitten constantly by mosquitoes. But mosquitoes are even sneakier when, than we even feared. Not only can they sniff out humans from far off, but scientists have now shown that if you manage to block their apparatus for doing so, they have backup methods ready to go. The findings help explain why researchers have so far been thwarted in their attempts to hobble the insect's homing mechanism. It's far more complex. We became interested in mosquito olification because mosquitoes use their sense of smell to find and bite people, which is not just a nuisance to us, but spreads deadly diseases like malaria. Um, uh, We know that the mosquitoes are able to detect body odor and also the carbon dioxide we exhale. So do I exhale more carbon monoxide than most people? And is my body odor stronger? Well, I I hope I don't stink. Seriously, I hope I don't. So finding out exactly how they do it could be the key to defeating deadly tropical diseases. But in experiments in laboratories, when scientists have thought they've knocked out the small receptors that uh, spotted humans, they found that mosquito apparently unaffected. All right, there's a, there's, a, there's a plot for another Bond movie where we knock out the receptors of some evil mosquitoes that, uh, that Drax or Blofeld creates. I mean, there we go. There's, that's for free for the Eon producers that I'm giving you that idea for free. We knock out the receptors of deadly mosquitoes. And they could maybe they carry an even deadlier disease, and Bond has to defeat these mutant mosquitoes. We're really curious about what are neurons and parts of the brain that mosquitoes use to smell people. As we started to dig more, we quickly realized that the mosquito's smell system not playing by the rules, that the small systems have well-studied organisms. 
but when we expected that each smell receptor would speak to one neuron in one-to-one relationship, that is not what they saw. The same neuron can respond to different odors. So, you know, if you've got sweaty armpits and a dirty bottom, you're in trouble, basically. The research was done by the Aedes aegypti mosquito, which spreads all sorts of diseases. Evidence from other groups that it's more general property of the small system of mosquitoes, including the malaria ones. Younger, younger the writer of this, said they now hope that the information could develop better ways of preventing mosquitoes from finding their human targets. It's been really hard to come up with a new repellent for mosquitoes and to develop new attractants for traps that would able to outcompete humans. The more we understand how the olfactory system works, the more potential there is to go in and take evidence-based approach to come up with new compounds and mixtures of uh, compounds that can target it. I think the key to the whole mosquito problem is baby powder. You know, forget that some of them give you cancer. Yeah, forget that. But I think before you go out on a walk, on a slightly damp evening maybe, or it's been damp and now the sun's out, blazing down, perfect uh, brewing river for mosquitoes, then just get a little bit of baby powder and just, uh, you know, men, just lift up the old boys, so to speak, and gently pat baby powder all over and then under the armpits as well. I think the baby powder can mess with these dastardly mosquito receptors. So most uh, surprising uh, headline of the week, women disapprove of toplessness more than men study shows. Wow, brains of Britain right there. With nothing up to date with the modern realms of pop culture, fashion, attire, all of this. We're, We're a cultural, evolution here on the show we've metamorphosized from an old fart into a modern gen z and that's how i like to live my life now i should really just slip on some crocs and socks right now but the latest trend the hot girl walk the latest millennial wellness craze cycling shorts check matching sports bar check chunky trainers well i haven't got those on um, yeah, let me put on my Lululemon bum bag and noise-canceling headphones. Check, 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 check. What might sound like an outfit for an 80s silent disco is in fact the latest TikTok wellness sensation. There's been 423 million views of the hashtag HotGirlWalk. I need to use that, I think. It's not as it sounds, a woman walking around sexily. In fact, a modern mindfulness technique, unlike with millennial rather than Buddhist origins, 20-somethings women are doing the HGW to boost their self-esteem. With the outfit sorted, let's try it out. Rule one, you must complete a four-day or four-mile walk accompanied by inspirational music or an inspirational podcast. Yes. With the outfit sorted, you need, to, you need to get the inspirational music going on here. There's a lots, lots of hot girl walk playlists all over Spotify. Think empowering numbers from Taylor Swift to Beyonce. You're allowed to think about three things that you're grateful for. Your goals, most importantly, how hot you are. I do that every day, darling. Oh my God, I'm so hot. Ah! The original TikTok video was posted by Mia Lind. At exactly like the other girls. You want to find her. When she was a student at the University of Southern California, I was looking for a form of exercise that didn't involve running, and I wanted to come up with a meditative element. 
There's, a, there, there's several different rules here for the HGW. You cannot dwell on heartbreak. Well, cold, cold heart. You cannot make mental to-do lists. Instead, you must think about your accomplishments. It's what you do on the hot girl walk that matters. The key is you take your energy and channel it through the course of the day. Could this be the Los Angeles attitude work in South London? So taking my old lockdown park loop, I feel that I'm doing quite well until my phone notifies me I'm less than a mile down. How can I do a number three without letting my mind drift to anxiety and last night's boozy birthday party? Still, I think about the things I'm grateful for and I manage to smile. Much as I wanted to roll my eyes at the trend, experts aren't sniffy about it. And Sophie Fleury, a neuroscientist with the app MindLab, says the HGW does have benefits. Practice like mindful walking, increase blood flow to the brain and can catalyze various mental, physical and brain benefits by clearing the mind and becoming attuned to the present, especially when walking in nature. Okay, the verdict from the, from the right here. Felt good. My legs ached a little. It's a little bit of a fad, but if it takes a hashtag with a silly name to get you feeling more confident, grab your noise-canceling headphones and get out there, baby. Oh, you delightful people. What lovely company you are. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Episode 218 on this Sunday sermon. One of the last Sundays in August. That slight chill in the air. Pike's Peak with a little, little, little snowdrift the other day as well. First snow of the season out here. Anyway, if you like and subscribe across all the platforms, it really does help. It helps your dear host ego more than anything else. Thank you very much for liking and subscribing. I feel so much better now. So you can uh, you can go across all the platforms: Apple Music, Spotify, Breaker, Slacker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, all of them. In fact, as you're shimmering and shimmying your way with a hot girl walk with those tight hot pants on, even through noise-canceling headphones, you can hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the whole fiery hotness of the universe evolving. The hot chappy walk is the, uh, is the way to go. And if you're doing the hot chappy walk, then listen to the podcast. If you like music, though, we got such delights here, sort of a lady, a lady laden uh, musical Butler and Pouring playlist today. We have some Wow by Kylie. We have some Amy Stewart. Uh, we do have some Blur in there as well. Ian Jury and the Blockheads with his reasons to be cheerful. Scritty Belitti, Gorillas, Beyonce, and some wondrous yacht rock to sail into the sunset from the summer season to that more autumnal hue. Coming up next, we have a poem. The end of summer, sweet smell of flocks drifting across the lawn, an early warning of the end of summer. August is fading fast, and by September, the little purple flowers will all be gone. Season project and vacation done, one more year in everybody's life. Add a notch to the old hunting knife, time keeps testing with horny thumb. Over the summer months hung an unspoken aura of urgency. In late July, galactic pulsings filled the midnight sky like silent screaming that was so strangely woken. We looked at another in the dark and then the milky magical debris arching itself, dwarfing our meek mortality. There are two ways to live. Get on with work. Redeem the time 
ignore the imminence of cataclysm, or else take it slow. Be as tranquil as a neighbor's cow we love to trickle through the barbed wire fence. She paces through her days in massive innocence, or seeing green pastures we imagine so. In fact, not being cows, we have no choice. Summer or winter, country city, we are prisoners from the start and automatically hemmed in, harangued by one clamorous voice. Not light, but language shocks us out of sleep. Ideas of doom transformed to meteors. We translate back to portents of the wars looming above the nervous watch we keep. So that's the end of another Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese as a heavy roller slowly but creakingly goes across the wicket one last time as we put the wicket to bed for another week. Join me again on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Friday for another fun-packed, flummery edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Until next time, cheerio. Oh, 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 oh,